0: We take the Bible seriously because it's the Holy Spirit's tool for transformation. That's our big idea for today. We've talked in three previous weeks, starting way back, I think it was in May, of other reasons we take the Bible seriously. We take the Bible seriously because we believe it's it's trustworthy history. We talked about how we take the Bible seriously because we believe, well, well, actually because we know that the apostles and Jesus himself took the Bible seriously. We take the Bible seriously, we talked about last time, because we believe that God wants us to know him personally, and wants to speak to us from his words. But today we're going to talk about taking the Bible seriously because we believe it is the Holy Spirit's tool to change us. And so I hope that as we talk about this today, as we go over lots of verses, I think I have like 20 verses for you, so don't expect to turn to them all, but write them down and look them up later. They'll be on the screen as well. But I hope as we look at these 20 verses that you indeed do experience some of the Holy Spirit's change even this morning in your life, that you experience what it is that God wants to do. In fact, I I hope that as we begin this, that you already agree with the first point That when it comes to expecting God to speak to us, we need to expect that God's word is going to have an impact. Isaiah chapter 55, listen. Isaiah the prophet writes, he says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it... Bring forth fruit and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose it. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Now what we see from Genesis, the beginning of the first book of the Bible, all the way through Revelation, the end book of the Bible, is that when God speaks... Reality changes. This is how the Bible starts. This is the creation account of Scripture. Don't get so hung up right now on how many days it took or how long it took. Don't get so hung up on that right now. Right now, just think about this. The way the Scripture communicates about how God created the universe was He spoke it into existence. That God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke it into existence. When God speaks, reality changes. And, he, and here's the good news: we don't have to fully understand even what God says for it to begin to change us. In the, in, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter eleven, the Great Hall of Faith chapter. This is how it begins. It says. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what, was, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In other words, do we have our head around how that works? No, not exactly. But we can believe that God says, listen, I speak it, and it happens. That God speaks things into existence. Now, let me just say something really clear in case some of you are a little bit nervous, depending on your church background, is he one of these guys that says, now we can speak it, and it happens? No, I don't believe that. When we speak, it doesn't change reality, but when God speaks, it does, which is why we need to know what God says. Another verse for you, Jeremiah chapter 29, 23, verse 29. So God's word accomplishes what it purposes, but also, listen, God's word burns clean and it breaks through. Listen to the way the uh, the uh, prophet Jeremiah speaks of God's word. Him, He's speaking in and. In God's stead, he says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Now, in the context of Jeremiah chapter 23, he's, he's contrasting the false prophets. That's what Jeremiah is doing. He's saying when God speaks, it's different than false prophets. See, the false prophets, they kind of speak and they kind of go, well, it might be like this or it might be like this, but when God speaks, it's authoritative. In fact, when God speaks, listen, his word does what a fire does. It gives light to a dark place. It comforts those who are cold. But also, listen, it cauterizes a wound. You guys know what I mean by that? Like you get something hot out of the fire, if you have no other way to purify it, you stick that thing in the wound and it actually purifies the wound. It cleanses it, cauterizes it. Not not a comfortable thing, but a helpful thing. And notice also, listen, it destroys those who abuse it. You play with fire, you get burned, don't you? God's word is like a fire. It has this kind of effect. Now, as we talk about this, already just a few minutes in, you might be thinking, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but you might be one of those who's like me, my personality, you're a cynic. You don't, you're not quick to believe. Well, this is why I like the other part of this verse. He says it's like a hammer that breaks rock. Ever try to break a rock with a hammer? I did a little bit of this. Big. I used to do landscape construction and sometimes we'd have to break up big rocks to get them to move. And you get a sledgehammer and you hit wham on a rock. And man, your hands hurt. You have to squeeze as tight as you can. You hit it again, wham. And eventually, that hammer that might be this big breaks the rock no matter how big it is. And here's why this is important. Even if right now, You hearing this are a bit doubtful, a bit cynical. God's word can still break your hard heart. See, God's word burns clean and it breaks through. Here's another verse, another set of verses. You guys might know these if you've been around church for a while. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 17. God's word exposes hearts and provokes faith. Listen to this. Paul here writing to to sort of answering the question that the Romans were asking, okay, if Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, then how come more Jews didn't believe in him? The Romans, the church in Rome was mostly Gentile, non-Jewish. Here's what he says, listen. He says, How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written here, he quotes Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But he says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, now he quotes Isaiah 53. Lord, who has believed what, we've, what, uh, what he has heard from us? So the conclusion is faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Now what does he mean by this? What, what he's doing here is Paul's trying to encourage the readers in Rome. He's trying to say, listen, I know that most of the Jews have rejected Jesus as their, their Messiah, as God's chosen king. But guess what? Listen, God's word, you keep bringing it out because God's word both provokes faith and exposes hearts. Do you guys remember the first parable that Jesus told? The parable of the sower. It's actually probably better uh, called the parable of the soils. And you remember the story? He, he talks about how the sower goes out to sow. And he, and he sows seed and some falls on hard ground. And the birds come by and they snatch it. Some falls on, on uh, you know rocky soil and it springs it for a while. And the sun comes and it dies. And some comes on... On soil that's full of weeds and it grows up a bit, but gets choked out by the weeds. Other seed falls on good soil and it bears fruit. Do you guys remember that parable? Yeah. Well, when he tells that parable, his disciples, those closest to him, didn't understand what he was talking about. And so he, they go to him and say, Jesus, we didn't understand what you're talking about. Can you explain it to us? And Jesus does. And here's what he says listen. He, he says uh, in, in, Matthew chapter, in Mark chapter 4, he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parable? The sower sows the word. In other words, here's what he's saying. What's being sown in this parable is the word of God. And what the word of God does is expose the soil that it lands on. How we respond to what God says exposes the state of our hearts. Did you... Do you understand this? Does, does that make you think? Because here's the reality, listen. The Bible says, and I've got these verses backwards, forgive me, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter four, here's what the scripture says about the word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, You see, what God's word does is it pierces right to the very center of our beings and shows us who we really are. And God does this not to leave us in a place of condemnation or guilt, but he dares to show us who we really are, how dark our hearts can actually be. He shines his light that deep in our hearts. You know why? So that our faith would be in him. He both exposes our hearts and provokes our faith at the same time through his word. Listen, this is why we can expect God's word to have an impact. This is why we put God's word on display every Sunday. We really do believe that when we teach you what God says, It's going to have an impact. Now, it's not always going to make you happy. That's why it's not always easy for us to teach it, to be honest. No one who teaches God's Word gets any glee by making the people on the seat squirm. If they do, they're teaching it for the wrong reasons. But sometimes the Word of God makes us squirm a little bit. You know why? It exposes the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Can you imagine if every thought... And every motive that you had this week was on this screen. How exposed would you feel? How naked would you be? How much would you just jet out that back door? And God's word does that. But why does God's word do that? To provoke us to say, oh, Lord, cover me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we need to expect God's word to have an impact. Now, here's what we're talking about today, just to make sure we don't miss this. We're talking about how how the word of God is the Holy Spirit's tool for transformation. But we are specifically talking about how we can use the scriptures to bless other people. And this is important because this really is meant for us to believe that God's word will impact us. But listen, that God's word will impact others through us. So that as we are willing to share God's word, that doesn't mean thump people with the Bible, but we're willing to share what God says that actually will change people's lives. So let's talk about how we might do that. First way is this. Here's the second main point. We want to pray God's word over people. We want to pray God's word over people. What do we mean by this? Well, first and foremost, we mean we want to be praying to the God of the scriptures. We don't just pray to a generic God. God, if you're whoever you are, whatever your name is, wherever you're doing, we just pray to you somehow. No, we want to pray to the God who's revealed himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, who's revealed himself through scripture. Let me give you some, uh, some great verses about the God who answers prayer. Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse seven. For what great nation is there who has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? When is God near you? Always. When, do you, when can you experience that nearness? Anytime you call upon him. That might go, well, yeah, of course, but that's not the way the gods of the nations work. That's not the way... Any God's ever worked until the God of Israel exposed himself to Israel. Revealed himself to Israel. God says to his people in Isaiah chapter 65, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. It shows God's just excitement, his desire to actually answer our prayers. God's not going, well, maybe, maybe not. He wants us to come to him. He cares for us. He's longing to answer our prayers. Listen, Uh, Proverbs chapter 15 says, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. Hey, it might feel like when you're praying to God, when you're talking to him, it might feel like your prayers aren't moving beyond the ceiling, but the scripture says that God is delighting in the prayers of the upright. Who are the upright? Those who trust in Jesus. They believe he's the one that makes them right. Those are all Old Testament verses, by the way. The God of the Old Testament, same as the God of the New Testament, is a God who loves his people, a God who listens to his people, a God who longs to answer the prayers of his People. This is the God we're praying to. Jesus said this, listen, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Is there anything left for me at Bring and Share? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. This is the God of Scripture that we pray to. He's a good Good Father. But we don't just pray to the God of the Scriptures. Listen, because we believe that God speaks, we want to pray according to the text of the Scriptures. Uh, the NIV Study Bible defines praying the word this way. It says, praying the word means reading or reciting scripture in a spirit of prayer and letting the meaning of the verses inspire our thoughts and becoming, become our prayer. This is not some kind of superstitious or strange kind of religious ritual. What this really is, guys, listen, is the best way for us to fight the good fight. See, see, here's the reality, whether you recognize this or not, and if you're new to Christianity, I'm going to be really blunt with you, okay? I'm going to be really straightforward with you. If you put your faith in Jesus, and we're praying you put your faith in Jesus, but when you put your faith in Jesus, you're not starting a holiday. You're entering a holy war. In fact, one of the ways that you know that you've come to know Jesus is this internal conflict that you feel. You have an old nature that wants to just rule your own life. And you have a new nature that says, I should follow Jesus. And there's a, a conflict. But there's also, listen, this outside conflict. There are these beings, these evil beings. You can call them demons. Uh, different, different cultures have different names for them. But there are these fallen angels that are against the work of God. And they come against us. And listen, praying according to God's word is one of the ways that we do battle. We don't pray to those demons. We pray to the God of Scripture. But we pray according to the Scripture, saying, God, I want to submit to you, and I want to resist that. And we pray for others according Lord. They're struggling to submit to you or to trust you in this. So I want to pray to you according to what your word says for this person. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 6. Again, many of you probably know this where Paul writes, he says, take the helmet of salvation and notice the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, Paul says, that when I speak, Words may be given to me so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you see what Paul's saying? Paul's saying in this spiritual battle, between, in the heavenlies between good and evil, in the spiritual battle, those that are trying to war against us, those who are trying to pull us away from Jesus, in this conflict that we feel internally between our flesh and the spirit, when we pray according to what God says, that's when victory happens. And when we pray for each other this way, that's when God uses us to help people be set free. Listen, we want to pray according to the scripture. Again, this is not us changing reality. Only God can do that. But this is us saying, God, we want what you say you want for us. We want what to apply what you've done for us. We want to expect what you tell us to expect. And I love the fact that Paul says, make sure you pray for me because I want to speak with boldness. I want to speak what God wants me to speak. Please notice this connection between the sword of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. See, here's what happens, guys. When, when God's word frames our words, when God's word frames our prayers, big things happen. Now, at this point, some of you who don't come from charismatic churches are feeling a bit nervous. You might feel this is a bit weird. It's not weird, man. This is absolutely basic Bible stuff. Listen, let me give you an example. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. This is when uh, the first Jesus followers are beginning to experience a bit of persecution for preaching Jesus. And they're being told by the religious leaders of their day, stop preaching Jesus. So you know what they do? They gather together and they pray. This is when they heard this threat of stop preaching Jesus. They lifted their voices together to God. They prayed together. And they said, Sovereign Lord... Who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything who is in them. How did God make those things? He spoke them into existence. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Now notice, it's probably underlined, should be underlined on the screen. All these things that are being said now, they're quoting when they're praying Psalm 2. They're actually quoting back to God the very words of God. Listen. Who did the Gentiles, or why did the Gentiles rage? It says, and the people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers that were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That would be looking forward to Jesus, the king. And, And they prayed specifically, God give us boldness. It says, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Go ahead, do it, Lord. Okay, maybe not. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Don't speak the word of God. Don't tell people about Jesus. Jesus, what do you want us to do about this? Father, what do you want us to do about this? Because this is a serious threat. But you, Lord, you made heavens and earth by your word. And Lord, you've, you, we know what to expect. We know from Psalm 2 to expect that the, 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 the nations are always going to be about, that those who don't know you are going to be against your chosen king. We know to expect that kind of resistance. And so, Lord, we just pray, give us boldness. Help us to have a confidence in you to share in love the truth of who you are. And what happens? God literally shakes the house shakes the house. During the Welsh revival, they experienced this. That, that as they were seeking the Lord and praying for repentance among all their villages, sometimes God would literally shake their houses. Like, literally. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if God's ever going to shake a house that I'm in. Well, I was in California, so I had, we, we, I experienced that lots, but it wasn't necessarily from God. But here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I am absolutely sure of when we come together and we pray according to Scripture, we pray to the God of Scripture, according to Scripture, one of the things that Scripture says that God wants for us, God will shake things up. He will give us what we need to be changed. I have to say, I'm so thankful for those faithful few that are here every Sunday morning from 10 to 10.30 to pray in that room. It's been in that room recently, but now it's down in that room to pray for the service. And I have to say, I wonder if there were more of us in there, if we would experience more of what God wants to do. Not because God doesn't use a small number of praying people. Hey, six people praying together, God can do radical things. 12 people, God can do radical things. 20 people, God can do radical things. But we'll see when we get in the book of Acts that when God wants to, to, to sp- have the church spread throughout the world, the first thing he says is wait and pray. We pray God's word over people. But also this means that we pray the prayers of the scripture. Now, if you heard the, one of the, I think it was the last, uh, the last teaching in this series, we talked about um, the voice of God here and the voice of God. We talked about praying, personalizing the, the teaching of scripture. And so this is the same thing, but let's do this corporately. How we could actually, we literally pray the prayers of scripture over each other. Here, here's what I mean. okay, here's the example from 1 Thessalonians 3. A brother and I were met together this earlier this week and we were talking about his situation and we were praying. and we said, let's just read through 1 Thessalonians 3. It actually just happened to be the chapter that was assigned for our, our servant church Bible reading plan. So we read through that and we said,' let's just, let's just make this our prayer." So, so here's what, what Paul prays for the Thessalonians. He says, "Now may God, our Father, Our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Paul says, I want to be there visiting you in person as soon as I possibly can. In other words, how can we pray this over each other? Father, help us to be intentional about spending time together. In other words, help us, Lord, to to do more than say, it'd be nice to get together sometime, but to put it in the diary and say, let's get together and, and fellowship in Jesus' name. He prays, notice, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so as we do for you. It should be a basic, faithful prayer. Lord, help us to love each other more. I wonder, I don't want a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us prayed, Lord, we're going to gather with God's people today. Help help me to love your family today. You think God's going to answer that prayer? So that, Paul prays, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Holiness means being set apart specifically by God for God. So we pray for one another. Lord, help our affections, our hearts be totally set apart for you. Lord, as we gather together, as we walk day by day, Father, help us as your people to love you more than anyone else. Think God's gonna answer that prayer? And Paul says, let this be at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. In other words, Lord, change our affections that our hearts be set apart for you as we long for a Jesus to come back. And how often we're saying, Lord, you coming back's a good idea. After I get married, after I have a kid, after I get a promotion, After I buy the house? But what what Paul prayed, what he taught the early church to pray, what we are called to pray, if we're going to pray the prayers of Scripture, is, Lord, we long for you more than anything else. Help us to pray for that together. We pray God's word over each other. You know what this means it means that we're personalizing the prayers of Scripture, but also listen, it means that we recognize that we're singing prayers. When we sing songs that are true, and we try to really make sure we pick songs that are truth of Scripture, we we sang songs Psalm sixty two together, didn't we today? Listen, that we are these are prayers put to song, and this is what the Bible says in, in Colossians three sixteen. It says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." Teaching and admonishing one another. It's not just my job to minister to you through God's word. It's our jobs to minister one another through God's word. And one of the ways we do that is to sing God's word to each other. We did that today, at least potentially. We sang God's word to each other. Why? What happens? When we're teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Listen. If you go, I think I already knew this, or I know that we're supposed to sing songs, or yeah, I know that the scripture should inform our prayers, but here's the big issue. Are you doing this? Listen, if we really believe it's God's word is the Holy Spirit's tool for transforming us corporately, then it's got to lead to us praying According to God's word. Listen, here's what scripture says. What a promise. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The word for hears there is a great word. It's a word that's like a picture of a father kind of stooping down to hear his toddler tell him a secret. It's a beautiful picture. What was that? Daddy, I like that. Well, tell me, tell me, what do you want? What would you like? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, and we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Listen, there's a whole theology, a bad theology that says you can, you can name a blessing yourself name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. You can say whatever you think you want. It's yours in Jesus' name. That is not what this is saying. What it's saying is when we pray what God says, when we pray the scriptures over each other, when we pray for each other over the word of God, we can guarantee that God's going, ooh, I like this. This is, oh, I'm delighting in this. This is good stuff. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Here you go, boom, boom, boom. I want to make myself known to you through those prayers. Now, now, here's the thing. This is one of the reasons why we want to go through a lot of the Scriptures, like the, a whole through whole books of Scripture. Because if we just kind of did only topicals like we're doing today, it would be easy to pick out all the good stuff. Ooh, let's pray this good thing. Let's pray this good thing. And what we'll see as we go through the book of Acts, that often when they were led to pray was because they were suffering greatly. And God would often deliver them from suffering. But listen or deliver them through suffering. But listen, they also recognized suffering was part of their normal expectation of following Jesus. And so they were praying for strength to walk through suffering. This is what we need to do. Now, this brings us to the last, and and probably the most important and most challenging Point of today. If we believe that the Word of God is the Holy Spirit's tool for transformation, we need to obey God's word in faith. We need to actually do what God says. Luke chapter 6, this is Jesus' words. And and from this we're going to see that we need to see obedience as non-negotiable. Listen. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when a flood arose and the stream broke against the house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears... And does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus is so clear here, guys. We cannot water this down or mince words about this. He's so clear. Listen, if we call him Lord, we don't make him Lord. He is Lord. But if we call him Lord, then we should do what he says. It's very simple. Not easy, but it's very simple. See, here's the reality. Hearing God's word will not benefit us unless we're willing to do it. It'll expose us, but it won't benefit us unless we're willing to do it. So when God's word exposes us, we see the thoughts and the intents of our heart, and we go, oh man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Oh, this is not good, this is not good. We should also be hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us, say, this is why Christ died. This is why your faith needs to be in Jesus, and that should be what you do. You first and foremost want to obey the gospel. I want to believe in Jesus. Oh man, I need him to save me. James says it really plainly. Listen, James says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rapid wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Which should be our attitude when we hear God's word. God, I need this. Which is able to save your souls. But be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Listen, if you come to servants because you really like the teaching but you're not willing to put it into practice, you're actually adding deception to yourself. Do you understand? You'd be better off not coming if you're not willing to say, God, I need to grow. And I'm not trying to scare anybody away, and I'm not trying to act like we're better than anybody else. No, I'm definitely not trying to act like we always anybody here always obeys perfectly. I'm trying to say, listen, God wants to speak to us to change us. And if we don't want to be changed, but we like what we hear, something's not right. Now, again, at this point, you might be thinking, I thought you said this was about how do we learn to use God's word to bless others. Isn't that the main thing today? Yes, it is. And this is one of the reasons why I think we don't obey, because we don't get this principle. Look at, look at this. This is 1 John chapter 5. Not only do we need to see obedience as non-negotiable, but we need to see obedience as love for God and love for his children. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 5 everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has, born, has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever is born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that's those born of the Father, whom we, I'm sorry, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, listen, it's not always easy to obey, okay? It's not always easy to obey, but nothing comes more natural to the child of God than to want to obey. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Not easy to obey, but there should be a desire in us if we know God, if we believe that Christ has died for us to make us right with God, and we want to know this God that loves us, if that's there, the most natural thing that should be there is like, God, I want to do what you say. I I do believe that you know better than me. See, listen, here's what's really important for us to, to understand, okay? Obedience... God calling us to obedience is not for his benefit. God gains nothing when you obey. God cannot change. He's always been who he's always been. He's always had perfect joy and perfect love. He doesn't need your obedience to save you. That's not necessarily what he's saying, okay? Oh, your obedience doesn't get God anything. It gives you everything. And listen, this is more important. Listen, more important. It benefits the people who see you obey. Nothing is more encouraging than a struggling believer seeing another struggling believer persevering with God. Nothing's more encouraging. This is why my wife Sarah loves to read missionary biographies. Because you read about these people that go through these heinous things and you think, why haven't you quit? Why did you stay in that place? Why did you continue to go through that pain? And it becomes really obvious because they wanted to follow the God they know loves them and the God that loves the people to whom he sent them. Their obedience was not for God. In other words, it wasn't to benefit God. It wasn't even just about benefiting themselves. It was about benefiting the people before whom they were obeying. Do you guys get this? So when we call you to action, when we say, guys, here's an application for you, here's something for you to do, it's not just so that you can have your best life now. It's not so that you can just be benefited now. We're calling you to action so that you can benefit each other because your obedience to God is the way you love other people. This is what God says. Are you guys following me? Now, at this point, how many of you guys have heard this before? Seriously. How many of you guys have struggled to really believe that this is true? Do you sometimes we feel like, okay, yeah, but aren't we saved by grace? Come on. Our obedience has nothing to do with it. No, it has nothing to do with your position with God, but it has everything to do with you knowing God and showing God to those around you. Everything. We don't benefit one another with God's word unless we're willing to try to do God's word. Let me say this too before we go on to Philippians chapter two. Doing God's word includes, and we see this both in Old Testament, and New Testament. Doing God's word includes confessing to God, God, I haven't done Your word. Forgive me, Lord, Lord, I, I messed up again. I need atonement to be made for me. In the Old Testament it was here's here's the sacrifice to cover up. New Testament's like thank you for Jesus that His sins washed me clean. So doing God's word includes us acknowledging that we don't always do God's word. Are you guys following me? This brings us to the last bit about obeying God's word in faith. We're almost done. We need to see obedience as both our choice and God's enabling. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Listen to this. Therefore, Paul writes, My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's make sure we understand what this is not. This is not obedience to be loved, but obedience as those dearly beloved. Not obedience to be loved, but obedience of those dearly beloved. One of the things that is beautiful to behold is when a parent interacts with their child and convinces them to act in a certain way based on their love for them. In other words, they they correct their child or they encourage their child because they love them, and the child gets that they're loved. And they do what the parent wants. That is so beautiful to behold. Quite rare, but beautiful to behold. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing because it shows us listen, what God wants us to demonstrate as we walk with Him. Lord, I know you love me, and because you love me, I want to do what you say. This is exactly what Jesus did. This is what it means to follow Jesus. What did Jesus do? He knew who he was. He knew how loved he was by the Father. Therefore, he obeyed by becoming a human being, by taking on human flesh, by becoming a bondservant, by dying on a cross for us. Why? Because he trusted the love the Father had for him, the love that he experienced from eternity past. Do you understand? Also, listen, it's important to recognize that this is not faith plus obedience equals salvation. It's not that. It's not that equation. It's not faith plus obedience equals salvation. It's not that. It is, listen, salvation plus faith equals obedience. Really important that you don't get that mixed up. Salvation plus faith equals obedience. God, I can't save myself, but I believe you have. And because you have, I want to trust you and follow you. So it's not obedience to be loved, but obedience uh, as those be, uh, dearly beloved. And it's not ob- faith plus obedience is salvation, but salvation plus faith equals obedience. Now, also, listen. If you want to obey right now, if you're sitting here right now, we're almost done. In fact, actually, the music team can come back up because we're this close to being done. We're going to go to communion in just a minute. But if you are sitting here right now and you're going, I, I want to obey, I, I do believe that, that the Lord loves me and I, I want to obey. If you want to obey, did you notice what Paul said in just in this text in Philippians? Okay? I'll, I'll read it again. Listen. He says, he says, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? For it is God who works in you. So, so he's saying, God's working in you. You're, do you believe that? He's working in you both to will and to work. For his good pleasure. Here's what this means. If you want to obey, even if you struggle to obey, if you want to obey, God is already working in you. Do you anybody, who wants to obey here? Who's going, I want to obey? So who, in whom is God working? Be as enthusiastic about that. Thank you, God, for making me willing to obey. Because until God worked in you, you didn't want to obey. My very first prayer... My very first prayer before I got saved was God, what the blankety-blank, blankety-blank, blank blank do you want from me? That was my first prayer. Because I was feeling guilty about stuff in my life, not even know why I was feeling guilty, and somehow said God and guilt go together. It must be God making me feel guilty. No one's telling me about Jesus and nothing about God, but this is what I was feeling, so what do you want from me? I'm so thankful that God spoke back. Not in an audible voice, But I guess I'd say an epiphany, an understanding that I felt guilty because I was guilty. And that only he could wash away my guilt. See, here's the deal. If you want to obey, then you can trust God will give you the power to obey. If he's worked in you to want to obey, he will work in you to obey, to power to obey. God, I want to love people. It's just that I uh, who gave you a desire to love people, the God who loves you. If he give you that desire to love people the way he loves you, guess what he'll do? He'll give you the power to love. Now, we got to grow into this. We got to grow into this. We are children after all. But he will give us the power to do this. This is the power of a testimony. When we hear how God has transformed some people, we think, God, if you did it in them, you can do it in me. This is what happens when God's spirit takes God's word and changes us. It's us saying, Lord, change me. Make me someone who prays for others according to your word. Make me someone who expects your word to impact me and impact others through me. God, teach me to obey your word. When we do this, you know what happens? We actually bless each other. We actually see, help one another be transformed. You want that?